Hey everybody, welcome back to I'm Not Crazy. Cameron Jones here. I'm Nicole. She's Nicole. She's off the floor now. She's in a chair again. I know. I feel like I've upgraded. She's moving on in the world. I'm Feels tr- pretty cool. I'm trying something a little new today. But I've been deprived of mangoes. It sounds like we just don't have mangoes. No, like we have a- mangoes. Oh, you can get a mango, but I'm not, you know, do we need to take a mango break? No, I guess it's not necessary. I'm trying something a little new today. I'm not doing your cryptid, your ghost things. I'm doing a little bit of true crime. I'm dipping my toes into oh, yours. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, we're going to be That's talking exciting. about George Reeves, the death of Superman. Uh, uh, okay. Have you ever heard about the curse of Superman? I think you've told me about it, but I think it's one of those things that I kind of wanted one ear and not the other, oh, cool. to be quite honest. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> I'm a good listener, I swear. For the record, I get a lot of shit for not remembering things while I'm multitasking and doing other things. But okay, okay, well, okay. So... The Curse of Superman, essentially, a lot of people who have played this role mm-hmm. have uh, died or just, you know... Been uh, severely uh, injured in some way. Misfortune. Great misfortune, yes. Misfortune. So, misfortune. Like loss? And it all starts here with... Death? George Kiefer Brewster Reeves. Well, this is a fun name. George Reeves was an American actor best known for portraying Superman in the television series Adventures of Superman which ran from 1952 to 1958. At an early age of 45, George Reeves died as a result of a gunshot wound to the head, but events leading up to and the circumstances of the death have been surrounded in controversy. Although his death was ruled a suicide, many have questioned motives of foul play or accidental death because of odd details at the crime scene and hearsay surrounding the Man of Steel. Hearsay? Hearsay. In this episode... We will attempt to solve the case of George Reeves. The so death we of are Superman. going to attempt to solve the case. Yeah, that's what this whole show's about. We uh, get to the bottom of things. Oh, is that is that the, is that what we do here? It's what, we, it's what I it's what I've been trying to do. It's not what I was hired to do. Born in Wallstock, Iowa, January fifth, nineteen nineteen. We have an Iowa boy. He was the son of Donald Carl Brewer and Helen Lester. Reeves was born five months into their marriage, and his parents would separate not long after his birth. So obviously we can infer from this timeline that this was an unplanned pregnancy, maybe a bit of a rushed marriage. Yeah. Uh, after their separation, Reeves and his mother left Iowa and moved around for a couple of years, first staying with relatives in Ashland, Kentucky. Then they moved to her hometown of Galesburg, Illinois, before crossing the country to stay with her sister in California. Wow, she's been all over the globe. She's a traveling woman. She got all over. By 1920, Helen met and married Frank Joseph Bacello. He would end up adopting George, and then George would end up taking his surname, George Bacello. Okay. Reeves' father, meanwhile, married Helen Schultz in 1925, and reportedly he never saw his real father again. Mm, so he's a deadbeat. Uh, was... I'm just assuming. His mother stayed with Frank Bacello for 15 years. While George was away visiting relatives, the couple divorced. Upon his return, his mother told him that his stepfather had killed himself, and that's why he had disappeared. What? Yeah pretty extreme george I have to say the truth yeah i'm a little shame i don't know or she's crazy george was not aware that is uh that that was a lie and that his stepfather was alive for several years weird right <laughs> when you th- i'm assuming stepfather and george had some sort of relationship seems like they were fine yeah what do you think stepfather would try to reach out to george i don't know seems like the thing at the time was to walk away and start a new family oh uh, that's gonna be me what? What? I'm going to walk away one day and start a new family. Uh, so needless to say, Reeves had a bit of a tumultuous upbringing. Mm-hmm. 
Reeves' interest in the arts began in high school when he began acting and singing in school plays. Oh, he, like you. Like, I actually didn't do too many school plays. I did really? community theater. <laughs> Isn't that kind of the same thing? Similar. Only I, I dealt with adults, too. He but you could, danced and sang your heart out, you little prince. Every day of my life. He continued on this path when he attended the college at Pasadena Junior College, where he focused his attention on music and acting. Oh, like you. <laughs> I didn't even go to I know. <laughs> he joined the acapella choir, played guitar, and performed in school plays. Oh, like you. Like me. In 1935, after graduating college, he joined the Pasadena Playhouse, one of America's most prestigious theaters. It was here that he would meet his future wife, Eleanor Needles. Fun name. Though their marriage would not last. Over the next four years... Seems like there's a common theme here. There's a theme going on. Over the next four years, he would appear in dozens of productions, and it was during this time that he was discovered by a casting director that would offer him his first big break. He was cast in a minor part in Gone with the Wind, incorrectly credited as Brent Tarleton when the character's name was Stuart Tarleton. Uh, After this, George returned to the Pasadena Playhouse, where he was cast in the lead role in Pancho, and it was because of this part in Pancho that he was signed to Warner Brothers Studios. So he's starting to make some moves now. Mm-hmm. The studio had him change his professional name to Reeves, even changing the title credits in Gone with the Wind in post-production before it's released. Why did they always do that? Like early Hollywood days, like they just new, always... Yeah. People still do that now. Typically, if it's a hard to pronounce name, a lot of people will just whitewash it still. Such a shame. Yeah, I know. He started in a few two-reel films, which are shorts that range between 10 to 20 minutes, as well as some B-movies acting alongside Ronald Reagan and James Cogney. Hmm. Unfortunately, George wasn't gaining any traction in his career, and his contract with Warner Brothers was dissolved by mutual consent. After this, George signed on with 20th Century Fox, but this was also a short-lived partnership, only releasing a handful of films before cutting ties with the actor. At this point, George decided to work freelance and try to get work in westerns. His friend, Teddy Sherman, arranged a meeting with her father, producer Harry Sherman, to do screen testing for Hopalong Cassidy films. Impressed by George's monologue, he ended up being cast in five westerns before landing the lead role in So Proudly We Hail, a war drama from Paramount Pictures, which ended up signing him on for two films a year. Oh, I like a war drama. Uh, And this was a big one, too. His role as Lieutenant John Summers in So Proudly We Hail was well-received and finally started getting George some traction, but it also inspired the actor to enlist in the U.S. Army and put his acting career on hold. Ugh. He was drafted in 1943 and was assigned to the U.S. Army Air Forces, where he performed in the USAAF's Broadway show, Winged Victory. So his uh, service was uh, touring companies pretty much this whole time. Mm -hmm. The Broadway run was followed by a national tour and a movie of the production. After this run, Reeves was transferred to the Air Force's first motion picture unit, where he made training videos. Uh, He remained in this role until he was discharged after the war. Uh, So his entire uh, time in the war was doing uh, propaganda plays, essentially. He never, the the acting bug never left (laughs) Never leaves you. Once again a free man, Reeves returned to Hollywood to pick up where he left off. Unfortunately, many studios had slowed production or closed since he had left. He appeared in a few thrillers and eventually had to take up work as a low-budget serial series. Uh, And the serial series is kind of what you would think. They're just like, you know, little short continuation Mm -hmm. dramas. Work was becoming few and far between, so Reeves took up work digging cesspools for extra money during this time. Oh. Yeah. He's just doing odd man construction kind of things now. Yeah. 
He separated with his wife and moved to New York in 1949. This is still the first wife? First wife still. Okay. This is him leaving now. Okay. He performed on live TV doing anthology programs and radio. Although he was getting work, it must be said that television was thought of as a far inferior form to the big screen. Uh, and it also paid far less. Mm-hmm. He landed a minor role in From Here to Eternity, which ended up winning an Academy Award for Best Picture. Although Reeves wasn't a major player in the film, he now had two credits for appearing in two Best Picture winners. So his creds are still kind of doing all right. Yeah. With his name once again gaining some in- interest in the industry. And he's George Reeves, right? He's currently George Reeves, yes. Okay. He was offered the role of Superman in 1951 for the television series The Adventures of Superman. He was reluctant to take the role. As previously mentioned, TV did not garner the same respect and the money that the full motion pictures did. But he ended up accepting the role. The series started with a B-movie, Superman and the Mole Man, to launch as a pilot for the series and immediately after that, the filming for the full series began. Okay. It was all shot in 13 weeks. And out of 13 or- weeks? 13 weeks. They shot it very quickly. And it was shot out of order to accommodate the sets and locations. Mm-hmm. So they would film multiple scenes for multiple episodes in one day on one location or set, just doing monologue Jesus. fight scenes, just to utilize the time and the money for this. The series aired the next year in 1952, mm-hmm. and Reeves was surprised to find that he was becoming a national celebrity from his TV appearance. The show was sold to ABC, which aired a national broadcast, furthering his fame. Because of the restrictive contracts with the studio, Reeves and the cast weren't able to utilize this notoriety. Even though filming for the series of Superman only took seven weeks out of a year, the actors had a 30-day clause, which meant that the producers could demand their exclusive service for a new season on four weeks' notice. This pre- what? Uh, yep. This prevented them from taking any long-term work on any major films or stage plays. So it's kind of like shows, like when you. Yeah, but I was. Oh, I was gonna say on that. That I mean, those are usually like thirty-day blocks of like a so many mile radius. So it is still a workable thing. It's just don't oversaturate your market. This was just a chokehold, essentially stopping them from taking any other work at the time, so that they could only be doing these roles. Mm-hmm. Turn extra money. Reeves started making personal appearances as Superman. He took being a role model to children very seriously, never smoking where children could see him. And this isn't like just in costume. This is like personal life. He just wouldn't. Uh, and he eventually quit altogether because of this. Huh. Uh, he also made an effort to keep his private life separate and out of the limelight, which at the time included a romantic relationship with Tony Mannix, hmm. the wife of Metro Goldwyn Mayor General Manager Eddie Mannix. Hmm. So this is going to take uh, into some conspiracies early. We're going to have to break this down. Okay. So to briefly break down Eddie Mannix, he was a notorious fixer in Hollywood who allegedly had mob connections. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you've seen Hail Caesar, uh, this is the character that Josh Brolin plays. So essentially he's, I mean, he's a fixer in Hollywood. He's a big, powerful guy that makes problems disappear. Right. And this is who George Reeves is having an affair with, his wife. Uh, but he made really good choices. Well, we'll see, though, as he had his own extramarital affairs, Eddie Mannix, it is said that Mannix had no problem with the arrangement. The couples would occasionally... So, like, an open relationship. Yeah, the couples would occasionally vacation together, and there are pictures of them, like, out on a boat and stuff, uh, with Mannix, uh, Mannix bringing his own mistress along. <laughs> oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Reeves managed some sporadic work between the first and second season in a TV anthology and two major films. But by the time the second season aired... The association with George Reeves and Superman was so strong that it was hard for him to land any work. Mm. He was still doing personal appearances as well as wrestling matches as Superman for extra cash. Mm. So he was... It was he was pigeonholed, basically. It was, yeah, and it was struggling really hard to get money. Yeah. After two seasons of The Adventures of Superman, 
Reeves was over the series. It wasn't paying enough, and it was drying up all of his work. So he decided to start his own production company. I think I forgot to put on deodorant. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I'm okay. Cool. He developed a TV adventure series called Port of Entry, which he wrote himself. Before work began on the production, producers for the Adventures of Superman reached out to Reeves, offering a pay increase to come back to the show. Mm-hmm. Reeves decided to return, now making 5000 or about 54000 today for a week's worth on production. Not terrible. Not terrible, but not great. The problem is, filming still only took about eight weeks, so he's only getting paid for that time. Uh, he never acquired funding for his show idea, and it fizzled away, unfortunately. Damn. Producer at Disney and his good friend Bill Walsh gave Reeves a role in Westward Ho the Wagons in 1956, but he wore a beard and mustache to hide his face. This was his last major role in film. Hmm. That same year, to show off his multiple talents, he appeared at a Tony Bennett show to sing a duet. Fun. Over the next few years, George continued filming the adventures of Superman while making guest appearances as Superman on popular sitcoms and shows, including I Love Lucy. In 1957, and on until his untimely death, Reeves toured with a trio of musicians doing public appearance shows. The first half would be a Superman sketch, in which Reeves would change from Clark Kent into Superman to save Lois Lane from Mr. Kryptonite, who is one of the musicians in a costume. And then after the sketch, Reeves would perform music as himself out of the costume. Hmm. In 1958, Reeves and Tony Mannix split, and Reeves announced his engagement to socialite Lenore Lemon. What? Lenore Lemon was a twice-married cafe society girl and much younger. Oh, that's me. She, yep. I'm a cafe society girl. And much younger. She reported so much younger. She reportedly had a bad reputation for starting fights in bars and clubs. Oh, that's me. But George liked the excitement that surrounded her. Yeah, Not that's like why me. you're that, much like you. That's why we work. Yep. They were planned to marry on June 19th, and Reeves had been vocal about his worry over money. He had hoped to direct a low-budget sci-fi and was working on a project with his former co-star in the original Lois Lane, Phyllis Coates, but he never managed to acquire the funds for either project. Hmm. Tony Mannix, meanwhile, was reportedly heartbroken, understandably so, over the split and the fast engagement. And Eddie Mannix wasn't happy that his wife wasn't happy. To make matters more complicated, Tony had been helping to support George. The car he was driving and the house he was living in was provided by his ex-lover. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cold of him. Messy. With all this information in mind, we have arrived at the night of George Reeves' untimely death. Okay. We will start with the official report of what happened, then look into some of the rumors and conspiracies as to what happened that night. As to what happened. On June 15, 1958, George and his fiance Leonore Lemon, left for dinner in a boozy night on the town. Mm-hmm. Their house guest and writer, Robert Condon, who was writing a book on Reeves, stayed behind at the home. Mm-hmm. They return to the house around 11 p.m., and near midnight, Reeves goes upstairs and retires for the evening. Okay. Robert Condon, the house guest, turned on the front porch light, a social indicator at the time that the house was receiving visitors, apparently. Really? I guess just leave the light on for him. Oh, I'm going to leave our lights off. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Seeing the porch light invite, neighbors William Bliss and Carol Von Ronkel came by to socialize. Wait, hold up. The Stop. guest is the one that decided? Yes. Hey. The, the house guest and the, the writer. <laughs> decided like, hey, open let's, invite. Let's party. Come over. 
Uh, While George Reeves was like, I'm going to go to bed. It's it's, midnight. I think also, though, uh, let's not get crazy. I think his fiance, the partier, was not, you know, (laughs) putting a stop to things either. I think she was all for this. So seeing this porch light invite, neighbors William Bliss and Carol Von Ronkel come by to socialize. Mm -hmm. It is rumored that Ronkel was having an affair with Condon, the writer. Mm -hmm. But Bliss was practically a stranger to these people, even though they were neighbors. Interesting. Leonore and Carol were also friendly, but William was somewhat the odd man out here. Okay. Around 1 a.m., Reeves comes downstairs irritated because he's in no mood for guests. Mm -hmm. Understandably. Yeah. They had been drinking and creating a ruckus late into the night. And after causing a bit of a scene and threatening to throw the unknown Bliss couple out of his home, they convinced Reeves to stay for a drink, which he accepted and then apologized for his poor temper and returned upstairs. Okay. The guests listen as Reeves... Not Reeve... how I would play it out, but <laughs> no, okay. No, I'd be like, okay, now get, get the hell out of my yeah, house. Yeah, I'd be like, get the fuck out. The guests listen as Reeves climbed the stairs. And apparently also, this was... Uh, the actions of this were called out by his fiance. The guests heard Reeves climb the stairs, open his bedside table, and then a gunshot rang out. This man's trying to go to bed. Somehow they miraculously convince him to stay awake for a drink. Mm-hmm. And then he apologized for his behavior and then still let these people hang out in his house when he's trying to get some sleep. Mm-hmm. And immediately the first thought is, I'm just going to blow. Oh, I'm now. just going to, I'm just going to go to the, to the, the eternal sleep, the, the deep sleep. Well, he had, the a, never lot, wake he had up a lot sleep. going on as we know. The neighbor bliss is the first to run upstairs where he finds the naked dead body of Reeves. Naked? Naked. He had been shot in the temple with a gun lying between his feet. The police arrived 45 minutes later, and while the cops investigated, the guests continued to have drinks downstairs. What the fuck? More shakenly, I assume, but, you know, still drinking. There were some oddities found at the scene, apart from the household's odd slurred behavior. Yeah. Firstly, Reeves was found completely naked. Right. He was likely drunk, but it's still odd behavior. Probably in a weird position, too. Uh, Not exactly. The gun, yes. Uh, he was likely drunk, but it's still odd behavior and an extra step to take before taking your own life. So it's, just, I mean, not maybe unheard of, but odd for before suicide. It's a very vulnerable way to state yourself. to be, yeah. yeah. Next were the placement of the shell casing and the gun. The shell casing was under the body when it should have been ejected away from him. Right. And the gun had fallen between his feet when it should have been probably to either side of him. Right. There were also multiple bullet holes found at the scene when the guests had only reported one gunshot. They found two bullet holes in the carpet, as well as one in the ceiling, which they traced to the gunshot wound from his head. But the trajectory of the shot would have put George in an odd position to accomplish it. Right. There were no fingerprints found on the gun and no powder burns on his head or hands. Hmm. He was also found with recent bruises around his body that couldn't be accounted for. Couldn't be accounted for. Mm-mm. Interesting. Huh. With all this information, the death was ruled suicide. What? His financial woes, hardship finding employment, and rocky love life were to be blamed for his deteriorating mental state. This is the official report as to what happened, but now let's take a look at some of the rumors from the guests and the industry about what really happened that night. There are three main theories to break down. It was actually a suicide. Uh-huh. His fiance accidentally killed him or did so in a fit of rage with Reeves calling off the wedding. Or Eddie Mannix... He's called off the wedding? Possibly. Oh, because of the financial constraints? Yes. Gotcha. Or Eddie Mannix had him killed as revenge for breaking his wife's heart and living in their home and driving as a car. (laughs) 
It was said by the guests that Lenore Lemon called out the actions to come as George Reeves retreated to his room for the second time. Apparently, she said, he's going upstairs to shoot himself. See, he's opening the drawer to get the gun. And then a shot rang out. I told you, he shot himself. Or is apparently how she treated... So she was narrating it. Apparently, yes. If this were the case, it is odd that she wouldn't do anything to intervene. Right. She was unhappy that he was treating her guests rudely, but if she really thought her fiancé, who she was about to marry in days, was going to take his own life, why wouldn't she try to stop it instead of just making light of it? Right. His friend said that George was going through a midlife crisis and had never actually intended to marry Lenore Lemon. Jim Dolt says, I think this made Lenore Lemon very angry, that he threatened her friend like that. She went upstairs, and I think an argument started. I think George told her that he had no plans to marry her, and that she became very angry and pulled out a gun. I don't think on purpose, but I think accidentally shot George. Hmm. This would make sense with the lack of powder burns, indicating that the shot had come from far away. Right. And possibly the multiple bullet holes if it was in a fit of rage. But what in, did any... Or accidental. Well, I'm just saying, in, in anywhere, did anyone state that she went up there with George at, at any point? There are different reports of this. Yeah. Okay. According to Fred Crane, a co-star from Gone with the Wind who was not present, Bill Bliss had told Melissant Trent that after the shot rang out, while Bliss was having a drink, Lenore Lemon came downstairs and said, tell them I was down here, tell them I was down here. So rumor in Hollywood is that Bliss, the neighbor, told other people that she was up there the whole time when the shot rang out. Huh. These are Hollywood rumors, but with the evidence of the crime scene, a more likely scenario to me. Right. Lemon had reportedly soured on George over the days leading to his death, finding that he was not as financially secure as she had thought. His TV notoriety did not lend to actual money, she found out. Hey, I have a solution. Call it off. She did. I did find one story of a deathbed confession from Lenore Lemon. Uh, from or like call, just like call it off and like move on. You know what I mean? It seemed like she was fine. <laughs> and I mean fine like she could find another... It seems like Sucker. she, yeah, it seemed like she would find another mark, another rube. Uh, I did find one story of an, a supposed uh, deathbed confession from Lenore Lemon from an attendant uh, that she had shot and killed George Reeves in anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was put out years after her death. Uh, apparently, the attendant still feared powerful people in Hollywood, but uh, there wasn't. Like, it was hard to refine this. And there wasn't a lot of credibility to it. So I'm just footnote. I'm, I'm not going to touch on that though. Okay. There were efforts by Reeves' mother to reopen the case and overturn the suicide determination. Yeah. But the same conclusions were made again. They exhumed Reeves' body where they found unexplained bruising around his head. Right. Again, some of this unexplained hits possibly before. Yeah. uh, But they ruled again in suicide. But how can you just rule suicide with the way that the gun was placed? Because Hollywood was crooked and we had a bunch of fixers in Hollywood making sure that scandals disappeared. Reeves' friends in Hollywood at large seemed to doubt the suicide reasoning. Yeah. Lemon was quick to release a statement saying that the cause of death was a failed career. He was unable to get the parts he wanted. Reeves' friend, Corey... She really just like... Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Reeves' friend, Rory Calhoun, told a reporter no one in Hollywood believed the suicide story. Yeah. Could that be because they knew Lemon was involved? Or could it be because they knew the industry fixer... Eddie Mannix had his hand in George Reeves' death. According to writer Michael Hyde, word around town was that Mannix was angry at George for dumping his wife. He says, I believe that Eddie Mannix, tired of listening to his wife grieve and obsess over Reeves, decided that it was time to take action. 
It was my understanding that George's house was pretty much an open house, and I think it was relatively easy for Eddie Mannix to send someone over to the house during the course of a party that may have been going on, and Eddie Mannix had the guy killed. Okay, so I can I can see the hitman type of situation, but if you're sick of your wife crying and sobbing or being very upset and distraught over her lost lover, mm-hmm. why would you add his death on top of it? I didn't that say, would cause more. He he's a good fixer. He's not a smart guy. He he does he he does he kill good. He kills. But you good. know, but you know what I mean. Like that just causes yeah. more like <laughs> sadness, like more complaining. Probably you would assume it wouldn't make things easier around the house. No, but it wouldn't. Mannix would have the power and the capability to not only call the hit on Reeves but cover up the crime with the police. Mm-hmm. His entire career had been based on making events like this disappear for production companies, mm-hmm. and this would have been a you know personal vendetta. Yeah. Jack Larson, who co-starred with Reeves on Superman, found the theory ridiculous. That Eddie Mannix, who by the end of the 50s was retiring, would endanger his life in the end of his life by having something nefarious done to George. Mm-hmm. It's, in my mind, ridiculous. Ludicrous. Sorry, this one was impossible to ridiculous, read. Ridiculous. Ludicrous. The fact that the gun was wiped and the lack of powder burns almost conclusively leads to foul play. Mm-hmm. But was the cover-up professional enough to be a mob fixer? The placement of the body, gun, and shell are inconsistent with suicide. Mm -hmm. If someone was trying to set the scene, they likely would have taken more time to stage it properly. If it was accidental or done in rage by Lemon, this could explain the sloppy staging. Mm. The room that he was found in was windowless, and the guests didn't report anyone entering the home. Mm -hmm. There were already inconsistencies with the drunken guest interviews, but could one of them have been in on the hit? It has been speculated that the neighbor, William Bliss, could have had some involvement. Again, what? it was rumored that his wife was having an affair with Reeves' house guest, Robert Condon, and okay. Bliss was virtually a stranger to the household. After the shot rang out, Bliss was apparently the first one on the scene to rush upstairs, but accounts and rumors of people's placement, such as Lemon possibly being upstairs when the shot rang out, you know, differ. But it's also him saying that. So. I know, but it also doesn't make sense. Like, what does George Reeves have to do with someone else's involvement with your wife. Would his wife's affair be enough for him to be enlisted by any manics to commit murder? No. Or could the entire house be frightened by a powerful man in Hollywood and, and just in on the cover-up? Another theory is that someone from the mob was sent to the house to perform the hit. He either managed to slip upstairs without the party or see him pass by, or simply entered the home and performed the hit without their intervention. Fearing the mob and the retaliation from Mannix, the partygoers arranged a cover story to keep themselves safe. George Reeves had a rocky career and upbringing, mm-hmm. but I don't believe that his death was suicide. The evidence surrounding the body doesn't add up, and there are multiple motives for others to conduct the hit. Right. The changing stories and odd behavior of the house guests ind- indicate to me that something else went on that night. Yeah. But alas, we will probably never know what really happened to George Reeves. Uh-huh. What do you think happened? I think that sussy little hussy Lenore Lemons <laughs> did it. You think it's her? Yeah. She was a hothead. Um, and I don't know and, if we can trust and, Bliss, but... And truly, if something's either ruled out a suicide versus a possible homicide, you're going to look at... I mean, the first person that you're going to look at is that either that person's partner or significant other. Typically. And they didn't even question it, it seems like. You know, maybe I, I maybe it's a little bit of both in the fact that maybe Lemon killed him. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, Eddie Mannix had helped with the cover up. Yeah, what maybe. What about that? Maybe that... Yeah. I mean, that could be a possibility. But I think Lenora Lemons did it. 
And I'm going to call her a sussy little hussy because she's <laughs> she's suspicious. Well, that was our take on the mysterious death of George Reeves. Let us know what you think. Thanks for listening to I'm Not Crazy Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, rate and review. If you want more content, listen to the entire Majestic Jam Network, Cult Classics Podcast, Urban Hermit. And until then, we'll check you on the next one. 